0: Hey everyone, welcome to Tom French Preaching. This is the podcast of me, Tom French, preaching, just like the title says. I'm a guy who lives in Melbourne and does Bible talks for youth and other people around Australia and all over the internet. I'm also the author of Weird, Crude, Funny and Nude, The Bible Exposed, the very best book that I have ever written. For more information about my book or to see what else I've been up to, go to my website, tomfrench.com.au. And with that, let's get on with the talk.
1: I used to ride my bike quite a lot when I was a kid. I don't ride it these days. I don't have a bike these days because I'm terrified that I'm going to get hit by a car. But while I was a kid and I was allowed to ride on the footpath, I was very happy riding my bike. And I used to have this uh, this route from my house where I grew up in Hornsby, where i go up the hill that my my house was on and then I'd ride down the street and then I'd kind of turn onto Golston Road, if you know Golston Road, then I'd ride down that for a bit, then I'd go around some back streets, then I'd come back down this hill, and this was one of my favorite bits there was this hill which I could come down and then, it would, then you'd turn right into another street and so you'd get up a lot of speed and you'd go around the corner and then into the next street and then keep going, and then all the way down there, then down the hill and then to my house. And it was kind of a fun ride that I used to enjoy doing. And uh, every time I would go do the the fun bit where I go down the hill and then around the corner, I would ride past this house and I would look at the house and I'd think that is the house where the nicest woman in the world lives. And I knew that that was where the nicest woman in the world lived because that woman was my sister's kindergarten teacher and my sister had loved her and had told me that my kindergarten teacher lived there, lives there and she's the nicest woman in the world. I'm like, well, she's the nicest woman in the world. And So I was like, I know that if ever I get into trouble, I can just go to the nicest woman in the world's house and she will help me out. I'll be looked after. I've got this safe house that I can go to. So I was like, great, there it is. And I'd look at it every time I rode past the house. Well, one time, I was riding down the hill, getting up the speed, getting ready to turn the corner, and uh, I was doing the correct thing, making sure there were cars around, and so I looked behind me to see if there were any cars coming. And uh, what you should do, if you know how to ride a bike, which you might, uh, you, you, when you look behind you, you should hold your handlebars going straight forward. Like that, but what I did was this. And so instead of you know just going straight ahead, I went and then I kind of got the death wobbles and then crashed and landed in the driveway of the house of the nicest woman in the world. And so I was like, oh, and I was a bit hurt and I was picking myself up. And then I realised that there was a car behind me, and the car was turning to get into the driveway of the nicest woman in the world's house. And I was like. I'm saved. The nicest woman in the world is here to save me. I looked up and then I kind of picked my bike up and got out of the way of the driveway and the car turned into the driveway. I'm like, she's going to get out of a car and then she's going to come down and help me. And then she's going to go and get me some cookies and then come back and give me the cookies and then get me some band-aids and then come back with the band-aids. I'm going to be looked after by the nicest woman in the world. And so she turned into a driveway and I was there like, Nice woman, help me. Thinking that, I wasn't saying that. And then she parked, then she got out of her car, then she went into the house and shut the door and she never came out again. I was like, oh no, the nicest woman in the world is not the nicest woman in the world. She's the worst. The worst woman in the world. She saw me in my distress and she ignored me. She just went straight into the house. I want nothing to do with that disgusting kid who can't ride a bike properly. And she left me and I had to walk the bike by myself home to my house where I met the actual nicest woman in the world who was my mum and she looked after me and that was nice. Now I tell you that story because uh, sometimes when we get into trouble we want to be seen and we want people to see us in our distress and we want people to look after us. Not always, sometimes we don't want people to know that we're in trouble but, but there is often part of us that we want, the, we want someone to care about us. We want someone to know and someone to look after us. And in this story, we see that Jesus is not like the nicest woman in the world, or not like the not nicest woman in the the ex nicest woman in the world, the the false nicest, It doesn't matter. Let's not talk about her anymore. Uh, he's not like her. That he sees his disciples when they are in their distress, and he comes to them. And this is showing us that what God is like for us—that He sees us in our distress, and He comes for us. So, let's look at the story and what happens. So, this all takes place after Jesus fed the 5,000 and he doesn't want to be made king and so he escapes up a mountain and he sent the disciples off across the lake. And as they're heading across the lake, it tells us that this wind comes up, this storm comes onto the lake and the disciples have been straining against the oars trying to get across the lake and they, they've made it some of the way across the lake, like three or four miles, which is about you know six kilometres. They've made it about halfway across the lake, but they haven't made as much progress as they would want to. And so it's the middle of the night and it's in a storm and then the Bible tells us this, if you have a look at uh, verse 19, it says when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. Now, if you are someone who has grown up in church, then you might hear this story a lot. And go, yeah, it's Jesus. Yeah, it was just walking, walking on the water. Yeah, no worries. But that, that's not really how we should read this. We should be like, Jesus was walking on it. Jesus was walking on the water! Like that's insane! You don't walk on water. I don't. I have stru- trouble to staying afloat in water. Like I'm like, oh, no. like like Jesus. He wasn't just you know doing some really good swimming. He was walking on water. No one walks on water. That's not how it works. But here is Jesus walking on water. Like what does even that mean? Like it's in the middle of a storm, and is the water like is the water hard or is it soft? And when there's waves, does he walk up the wave and down the wave? And like it, it probably is a little bit, or do you just kind of walk through the waves? And and how does it feel under his feet? I don't know, how do you walk on water? beats me, but Jesus is doing it. And people would read this, and they've seen this, like, this can't happen. Like, Jesus can't walk on water. It's absurd. So probably there's something else going on here. And so people have spent time trying to figure out, well, how how was this, you know, did it actually work? And one of the disciples, when they write this, John, who was there in the boat and saw it, what did he actually mean was going on there? And some people say, well, actually what was going on, Jesus wasn't walking on the water. He was walking on submerged stones in the water and when the wind came it blew the water away and he was just kind of stepping across the stones and then he was like jumped off the stones and into the boat and I was like oh good work but that's absurd because these disciples are in the boat and some of them are fishermen who have grown up fishing on their lake on that lake and if there's a bunch of submerged stones that someone can just kind of stroll across to to get to a boat then you're not going to sell your boat there Because if you sail your boat there, if someone could walk across those stones, then you could crash your boat on those stones and then everyone would drown. So that is the terrible idea. Jesus was not walking on submerged stones. Other people said, though, oh, no. There was a study from the University of Michigan a few years ago where they said on this particular lake, when the conditions are just right and everything is calm, there can be once in every 1,000 years, there's a drop in temperature and so the lake freezes. And so Jesus was not walking on the water. Well, he was walking on the water, but it was the frozen water. It was like Disney on ice for Jesus. And he was just kind of skating across to them on the lake. But that's absurd too, for two reasons. One is that it tells us that there was a big storm and there was wind blowing and you'd need calm conditions for this once in a thousand year thing to happen. But two, what are the chances that once in a thousand years... First, you've got him feeding 5,000 people. And then that particular night, he just happens to be the one night when the lake freezes over and the disciples also forget to mention that the lake froze over. And then other people say, no, 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 it's just a translation error. People have got it wrong. Jesus wasn't walking on the water. He was walking beside the water. He was walking beside the lake. But why would that even be in the Bible? (laughs) It's a stupid story. It's like Jesus was... The disciples were in the, in the waves and wind and they'd gone about four or six miles and Jesus was walking beside the lake, the end, amen, praise the Lord. Like that is dull, anyone can go walking beside the water. The whole point is that it's a miracle, Jesus was walking on the water and, and the disciples see him and they are terrified, which makes total sense. Like if you're in the middle of a storm... And you see this shadowy figure coming to you across the water. You're not know, going to be like, hey, Jesus, how are you doing? You're like, oh, my goodness, it's a demon from hell come to suck my soul out of my face. It's a Dementor. Somebody get the Patronus going. Like, you are, you're going to be terrified of this. It's only when Jesus speaks to them and says, it is I. Don't be afraid that they realize that it's their friend Jesus who has come to them. Who has seen them in their distress and come to them across the water? And only then do they welcome him into the boat when he tells them who he is. Because if he didn't say it, you would not welcome him into the boat. Like row faster, get away. But he but he says, It is I. And he hops in the boat. And then this amazing thing happens. This the other two stories uh, where we hear, we read this in the Bible about Jesus walking on the water, this doesn't happen. But the boat. Or well, we don't hear about this thing, But in, this, in John's version, we see that the boat actually immediately gets to the other side of the water. And it could be that they you know, just got there quite quickly. Or it could be that they teleported. And I'm going with that version, because it's better. And so Jesus then hops in the boat and teleports them. And if you also want to teleport, pray very hard and maybe Jesus will answer that prayer. <laughs> Probably not. But try, you know. It can't hurt just to ask. So... So what's going on in this story? Why, why is it there? Well, it's telling us who Jesus is. It is giving us an indication that Jesus is not just anyone because he can walk on water. And it's significant that he's walking on water uh, because this is showing us that he is God himself who comes across the water to save his people. Remember from yesterday, it told us that this was all taking place around the time of the Passover. The Passover is a story of when God's people were taken out of captivity uh, in Egypt and just by the by, Easter weekend is the Passover weekend. So this was all happening around now uh, 2000 years ago but but when they came out of Egypt uh, they escaped and they were in a, faced by the the dead sea and then they were like what are we going to do now because the Pharaoh's army is coming to catch us and all of God's people are there faced by the water how are they going to escape and God parts the waters and then all of God's people come through the through the dead sea and then he and then they escape through Um, fine and then God brings the waters in on the Egyptians when they try and chase after them and God helps his people escape through the water. Well now here we have God with his people but not coming through the water but coming across the water and this is Jesus showing that he is God himself who sees his people in his distress and he comes to them. And in, in ancient times, the way people felt about water is that it was a place of chaos and terror. Because when you're on the land, it kind of makes more sense. Like, the land is, you know, solid. And, uh, you know, if, if something goes wrong, like the, the land, like if there's an earthquake, it's like and you're like, oh wow, that happens pretty rarely. But the water is always going, like it's a, it's a worry. And if on the land, if something's gonna get you, you can see it coming, generally. Uh, unless it's like the raptors in Jurassic Park and you don't see them coming but most of the time you see it coming but if you're in the water you don't see what's after you like you don't see what's down there and anything can just come and grab you like it is a place of terror and chaos but here is someone who can control the terror and the chaos who can walk across the terror and the chaos and come to you in your distress this is God himself coming to his people to rescue them and what we need to see is that that same Jesus who rescues his people there is the same Jesus who rescues us. That this is just a picture of the big picture of what God does for us in Jesus. Because the Bible tells us that God has seen us in our distress. And our great distress is not that, you know, that our particular any everyday kind of problems which we have And we should be concerned about them. But the big problem, that we have rebelled against God. And that we have broken His laws. And because of that, we we are enemies of God. And the Bible tells us that we should be punished for the things that we have done to Him. The things that we have done to other people. And that punishment is death. But God has seen us in our sin. And the Bible teaches us in Romans that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us that God saw what we had done and we didn't get to cry out to Him, but He saw us and He sent His Son, Jesus. God came to us in our distress and Jesus died on the cross, taking the punishment that we deserve so that if we trust in Him, we can be forgiven and given new life. God has seen us in our distress and come to us in His Son, Jesus. And that is the same God who, if you trust in Him, comes and lives with you by His Holy Spirit. That God, God is with us. God has seen us and He is with us. And He is able, just like Jesus was, able to bring us safely home to be with Him. And that also means then that now in our everyday distress and the things that we face now, that we know that God can be with us. Now Jesus doesn't come walking across the waters to us now. If you are faced with the troubles in your life, whether it is, you know, the stress of school, the, the, the worries about your friends who uh, don't like you or don't treat you the way you want them to, or things that are going on in your family or mental health issues, these are things that can feel like storms. And you can feel like you are all alone, straining against the all. But the promise of the Bible is that if you trust in Jesus, that He has not left you alone. He doesn't come walking to you across the water to save you, because He is already with you. He is in the boat with you. The promise of the Bible is that if you trust in Jesus, He has already come to you and He now lives in you by His Holy Spirit. He is with you in your distress. Uh, a few years ago, Emily gave me a gift uh, for my birthday. And, uh, and she didn't tell me what it was. She was just like, just get in the car. We're going to go get this gift. And I was like, okay, great. So we hopped in the car and we started driving uh, out of Sydney because we were living in Sydney at the time. We were driving out of Sydney and we started you know, heading, heading southwest and I was like, where are we going? And we started heading towards Canberra. I was like, are we going to Canberra? I mean, Canberra's fine, but it's a weird birthday present to go to Canberra. It's like, we're not going to Canberra. I was like, okay. But we kept heading towards Canberra and then we took the turnoff for Goulburn. I was like, are we going to Goulburn? Are we going to look at the big Merino? which is fine, it's a weird birthday present to look at a large sheep, but if that's what you want to give me, okay. It's like we're not looking at the big merino. And before we got actually to Goulburn, she turned off and went down this little road, and then we got to this, um, this little like, like, uh, airport where planes fly from. You know what an airport is?
0: <laughs>
1: it's just a little one. And we got there, and there's this little like, kind of hangar And uh, and then we got introduced to this guy and then he took us out and and there was this little plane there and it's like, you're going to fly the plane. It's like, what? I'm going to fly the plane. I can't fly a plane. Well, that's your gift. You can fly a plane. And there was this tiny little plane that I was going to hop in with this other guy and he was going to teach me how to fly it. It was like, you know, like had two seats and his little kind of plastic bubble and, and like it was held together by like gaffer tape and hopes and prayers. And so... And we hopped in and then he's like, All right, here's how it works. You go you press that button and you push those levers and you pull that stick and then off you go. And I was like, Really? He's like, Yeah, do it. And so then we kind of he showed me how to drive the plane and got out to the runway. And then he was like, All right, push that thing and go. I can't remember any of it. So if we (laughs) if we get stuck in a plane and we're all going down, don't look to me to help. But at the time, I had him right beside me. He was telling me what to do. He's like, ready? And he goes, and we go, now, quick, push, push that thing. And I was like, great. And then we were flying. I took the plane off. I was like, wow. And then we flew around. And it's like, look, there's Goulburn. There's a big hole in the ground. And then keep flying. And that was it. We flew around for like an hour, looked at the hole a bit more. There is a big hole near Goulburn. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah, there is. It's Beautiful. And then we flew around. It's like, now we're going to have to land. It's like, I can't land. It's like, doesn't matter. I can land. You don't get to land. You'll crash. <laughs> and so then we landed, and he landed the plane, and we got there safely. Now, I can't fly a plane, obviously. And if I was in a plane now, I couldn't fly. There is no way that I would survive plane flying. The only way that that worked is that he was with me the whole way through. The only way I could take off is because he was with me. The only way that I was safe in the air was because he was with me. The only way I got home safely is because he was with me. And that's the way God works in our lives. That we have not been left alone. God is with us in our distress. He is with us whatever we are going through. We can feel like we are alone, but the only way we make it through and the only way we get home safely is because God is with us by His Holy Spirit. He is looking after us and He can bring us safely home, which means that we can trust Him that He is looking after us. We can trust Him that if we are going through hard times that is not going to let us go through anything that is, that is more than, bigger than Him. He's not going to let us be left alone to our distress. That He will care for us and He will be with us. We can trust Him in that. And what that then means is if you are trusting in Him, that as you go through these hard times, as you find yourself feeling like you are straining against the yoke, then do it knowing that He is with you. Because that will change the way that you live it out. Because He has not abandoned you. Sometimes when we feel like we are alone, we do things differently. You know, when I was in high school, uh, I got, uh, I was in like history class once. I remember this as a, you know, really important moment. It wasn't that important, but it was kind of fun. Uh, in history, our history teacher got annoyed with my class. And we were trying to watch this video and everyone was talking. And, she, and in the end, she was like, "If, if you... Keep talking, then you're gonna to have to stay in during lunchtime and watch this video. And we were like, we're like fine. And it was back in the day when we had VHS tapes, you know those things?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, they were pretty exciting. Anyway, so we had a VHS tape and it was playing and, and we kept mucking up and so at the end she was like, fine, you're staying in during lunch. And so she made us stay there during lunch and then, uh, and then she went out of the room to the staff room to eat a lunch and we had to sit there watching the video. Well, as soon as she was gone, what do you think we did? Change the video almost. We just pressed fast forward because there was a button. We go, I know these days you just kind of scroll forward, but in those days you had to watch the whole thing. Everyone did, you know, there was a lot of people getting shot fast. But, but we fast forwarded because she wasn't there anymore. And so we just abandoned kind of any sense of, you know, having to do the right thing because she wasn't there. And so I was like, she's gone. We can do what we want. We don't have to behave anymore. She's, she's done. And what, what we can feel like sometimes, if God is not with us, then we don't have to live the way that he calls us to. It's like, I'm going through a hard time so I can be a bad person. Like, I deserve to treat people badly. I deserve to be a brat. I deserve to do this or that because I am I'm struggling here so I can make other people struggle. But if God is with you and he is strengthening you and he is looking after you, then you don't get to do that. But you instead say, I'm going to do this well. I'm going to do this hard thing well because God is with me. And He will help me to love these people who are hurting me. He will help me to be kind even when I feel like others aren't being kind to me. He will help me to have patience even when I feel like I'm struggling even to get things right. He will help me to look after my brother and sister when things are going wrong in my family because God is with me. When you are going through hard times, live knowing that God is with you. Don't live as if He has abandoned you because He has not. And I promise you, as you do that, you will grow more as a follower of Jesus than you ever will if you assume that He is not with you. And the promise of Jesus is that He is with you. And when it's the right time, He will bring you home. And He will get you out of that situation. He will bring things to, to the right point where, is, where everything is sorted out. And at some point, He will properly take us home to be with Him. But we can trust Him because He is with us. He sees us in our distress. He comes to us and He is able to bring us home. So what all of this means is, if you are not a Christian, then you are going to face storms in your life. You are going to face times when you feel like you are struggling to make it through and if you do not put your trust in Jesus then you have to do it alone and you can't you can't deal with the greatest storm that there is and that is that you are facing the wrath of God but with Jesus he has faced it for you and you can be welcomed into God's family if you trust in him and you can't deal with the other big things that you are going to face the other struggles of your life you can't do it alone but the promise of the Bible is that if you trust in Jesus, God will be with you now and forever and you will be safe in him no matter what is going on outside you. you. Put your trust in Jesus. And if you are a Christian, then what this means for you that you have not been abandoned. God sees you in your distress. He knows what you are going through. You are not alone. No matter how alone you feel, you are not alone. He is with you. And so live knowing that He is with you. Love others, knowing that He is with you. Focus beyond yourself, because He is with you, keeping you safe, and He will bring you safely home. God sees you in your distress. He does not abandon you. He is with you and able to take you safely home. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, we thank You that You have seen us that you know what we are like, you know what we have gone through, you know what we are going through, and you have not abandoned us. You did not abandon us to our sin, you did not abandon us to your judgment, but you sent your son Jesus so that we might have life in him. I pray for anyone who has not put their trust in him, they will see what he has done, and they will give their life to him. I pray for all of us That we will know that Jesus is with us. That we will not live lives as if we are abandoned, but we will live lives as if we have a friend beside us. Because we know that in your Holy Spirit, you live in us if we trust in you. I pray that we will live lives that show the goodness of you because of the way we face our storms, because you have not abandoned us. And we look forward to the way that we will know you bringing us Home. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Well, that was the talk, and I hope it was helpful for you. If you want more talks, or to read my blog, or order my book, or even to book me to speak, remember to go to tomfrench.com.au. It's my home on the internet. You can also find me on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWFrench or on Insta at TWFrench. And don't forget to give this podcast a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts so that other people might be able to discover it too. Till next time, have a good one.